Hey everyone, before the episode gets started, I wanted to let you know that this is part two of two. Check out last week's episode for the first half where Joe and I talk about Disney Plus Day and I give my best guess without knowing anything about Robocop, what it really is about. It's interesting, but I hope you guys go listen to that if you have not listened to this one yet. And I hope you guys enjoy the second half of Joe and I breaking down Robocop and me finally watching A Secret Shame. Before we watch the movie, a quick word from our sponsors. And now, our feature presentation. And we're back. All right, Amy. What'd you think? I have a confession. I have a confession. And it's a really funny story. Okay. So I know you were, you had been talking about how much blood and violence and stuff is in this movie. Yeah. So I started watching this. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to watch this for free. I got a new Google TV. I just searched Robocop. The first one for the 1987 one that came up, uh-huh. I clicked it and it was here. Watch it on YouTube TV. It was the broadcast edited version. Because oh. I get through, I'm watching that shootout scene uh-huh. and I'm like, this is so not bloody. Yeah. This is, you don't see anything. And then once they get to him being rebuilt mm-hmm. and Morton comes up really close to the face and says, you're going to be a bad mother trucker. And it was horribly dubbed. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, no. He said fucker there. Yeah. That's wrong. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go rent this. I actually, I went and rented the movie and I fast forwarded to the shootout scene and I watched from when his partner gets pushed over the railing. Uh-huh. That's where I started from. They cut out his hand getting shot. They cut out so much of him getting shot up in that oh, scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow, this would have been a totally different movie if I had not gone and rented it. Yeah, definitely. Because one of the things about that movie, too, is is the over-the-top violence. But the over-the-top violence is used in a bunch of different ways. It's, it's there to shock mm-hmm. you. It's there at times to be funny. It's there at times to be uh, heart-wrenching and kind of earns its necessary place by by serving all of these different masters throughout the course of the mm-hmm. film they also say fuck 53 times i think is what i read on imdb wow i could see that there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of cursing there's a lot of fucks in this <laughs> this, this movie's kind of like if if you were to if it's it's hard r but if you were to think about the reasons that movies get rated r as 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 like a dietary thing this movie's like high fat fr- everything's yeah. fried and cheesy and it's this is this is the equivalent of going to a state fair yeah and eating like a deep fried snickers bar or something yeah did you like it or or i enjoyed it i had a lot of fun i probably i don't think i like it as much as total recall okay but i did have a lot of fun watching it especially once i you know did not watch the broadcast edit <laughs> yeah 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 that's 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 very important very important. So you were right, though. It is also a very quintessential '80s action movie. There's a lot of the tropes and stuff in it, and it was very weird to me. But I also really liked the Ed Two Hundred Nine. Yeah, the way he was stop motion animated and kind of placed in there it reminded me a lot of the ATATs from Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was really kind of fun. Plus, there was that Star Wars tie-in at the very beginning with the Star Wars orbiting peace platform. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. that was really funny. Well, the, so I that... love the news broadcasts that they keep sh- going, putting in there. So Star, the Star Wars orbiting defense platform was actually a direct dig at uh, Ronald Reagan who created mm-hmm. his own strategic defense platform and called it Star Wars. And in the in the 80s, of course, because he was president. And RoboCop is a film that I, I think continues to feel more and more real. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the 
bizarre, callous nature of the uh, the consumerism that's on display in this yeah. in this movie is feels like what we have today, and the really kind of offhand way we television news has of reporting really important world events yeah that felt like i was watching i I wouldn't say like cnn or something because they do get very serious i do watch a lot more cnn Mm -hmm. but it felt like the way you would see it reported just i feel like yeah like there's things that happen all the time like a school shooting or something and it happens so often that they're just so casual about talking about it yeah and then they and they usually have like a really cool graphics package with dramatic music that rolls in and 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 i always want to say like hey wait a second this is this is a factual news thing that you're reporting on it's not a movie trailer why do you have why do you why are you starting out this story this terrible story this way that also feels like something that's a little bit more maybe local news versus like national news definitely like i said i watch a lot of cnn they don't have a lot of graphics packages that go in and out of all of their segments and stuff Mm -hmm. i don't think even going from anderson cooper to wolf blitzer there's a big graphics package in between those those two hours right it literally just goes like anderson cooper goes okay over to you wolf and Mm -hmm. then wolf blitzer starts yeah then that show. show starts yeah but yeah local news i remember watching that growing up and that has so much there's an entire like 30 second intro to the show uh-huh. where it shows all of the the newscasters doing that 80s like hey yeah yeah that like turn around and find the camera thing yeah yeah sometimes when we when we uh, visit sarah's parents they watch uh local news and it's in arizona and it's so grating and it gets under both our skin so quickly and we always ask mm-hmm. them, why are you watching this and why do you continue to watch it you've already it's already been on for half an hour now they're just going to talk about all the same stuff again yeah and then there's like the witty banter they'll be they'll, they'll talk about something awful that happens either a terrible crime that happened or a, a terrible world event and then there's and then there's some inappropriate I mean, by inappropriate, I mean just tonally inappropriate banter between the yeah, them. and then they talk about like next up a dog that can surf, you know? Yeah. It's like, why? It's really funny. I on John Oliver, he I think it was two weeks ago on last week tonight. He did a his closing segment was just a montage of really stupid questions or just stupid things that morning news people say in like local news. Yeah, and it was just so that's the only reason it would be worth watching is just for some of the very stupid and tone deaf and out of the box things that newscasters would say mm-hmm. yeah at that point you realize that the people that are on news here on new television news here are more presenters than they are reporters they're they're people yeah, who are they're, good on they're wanting to be actors yeah basically but yeah so this but this film i feel like continues to be more and more real with with every passing day and, and, and even yeah, I the, mean, there's an entire speech from the p- police captain about union crushing yeah that is something that's really big right now yeah. and this is this movie is almost 60 30 years old yeah. 40 years old Eight, 1987 so, yeah so it's like almost 25 years old right and wait is it add three 35 years old yeah there 35 you go. Years i was gonna old. say add, add three years to your 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 age and then we have it yeah <laughs> so yeah it's 34 years old then. 34 math I, I don't know. I don't math well. <laughs> Neither of us math well, Joe. Nope. Because I could have just added, I could have subtracted two years from my age and I didn't do it. I, I think one of the other things about this film is how the, the the world in which this is set is massively driven by consumerism to the point mm-hmm. where a company could own and operate a police department. And yeah. and and that's that's its own sort of nightmare fuel for for 
implications of law enforcement mm -hmm. and 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 now we live in a in a in a world where corporations are considered people mm -hmm. and and they their speech is as protected so i think that's that's an interesting sort of development that that uh this movie sort of presages a little bit. And when they talk about privatizing prisons and military and healthcare and all that other, we have that. We have that now. Mm -hmm. and, and, we, and they had it then, but it just feels worse now. Or maybe we're only more aware of how bad it is now. I think it's the latter. We are definitely more aware of yeah. how terrible everything in this world is. Yeah. Uh, especially especially after this past privatized. like two years. It, when it's yeah. for profit, that's when it gets really really tricky but mm -hmm. yeah there, so there's like this this sinister undertone of of commercialism that's in this film and mm -hmm. and like i said how callous it is the fact that uh what's his face gets uh blown away during a board meeting at the very beginning of the movie the, the movie yeah. gives you a really good sense of what it's about right away and this guy gets blown mm -hmm. away in the middle of a board meeting and then the owner of the company says i'm very disappointed you know yeah th th and like, he just doesn't care yeah and the fact that that's this, big elon musk energy right it there. is and what's funny is is then over the course of this film like later in the movie we're told that he's a sweet old man and it's like, well maybe he is a sweet old man in this world yeah. this, this cruel world that that just you know, sees human life is disposable. But you see that. You see it with, I don't know if you caught it straight away. You know, when, when you when you watch a movie all your life, I feel like you are more apt to discover things upon rewatch mm -hmm. than when if you watch it as a grown-up for the first time, you sort of catch yeah. more things. But I remember a few years ago, I was watching RoboCop and caught that when they're talking about the progress of the RoboCop initiative and Miguel Ferrer says something like, we have, uh, have hand-picked candidates placed in high-risk areas and then we meet murphy who's been without any explanation transferred from the south I precinct i didn't even realize yeah, that he was put in that precinct to be killed oh my god used... i did not even realize that yeah and so it takes on this extra sinister nature of of the world in which corporation can control somebody's life and and then use them for their own ends. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. My mind just got blown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I remember when it, when I, I was, cause I, you know, I already watched this movie, you know, 20, 30 times or something like that. And then when I caught that, I, I, I was also, my mind had also been blown. I couldn't, I sort of, I sort of couldn't, I couldn't fathom it. You know, that this yeah. movie has been, uh, that movie kind of just sort of slips that in, right? And it's there. It's 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 not even hint. It's 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 one hundred percent. It's not subtext. It's text. But there's so much. There's so many other things going on, and and it's just. But it's yeah. Because the chief even leans out. You came from a really great precinct. Yeah. Before you came here, like why? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And he's like, I don't know. Yeah. I just came here. They were they moved me. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. So that's that's kind of a an extra cool little thing. So I, have you? I'm going to change topics just a little bit. But it'll all come back around. Have you read or seen the adapt the the cartoon adaptation of The Dark Knight Returns? It's the Frank Miller graphic novel where Batman's kind of a no, old man. No, I've only seen I've only seen the Christian Bale Dark Knight Returns or Dark Knight Rises. Right. I've only watched the. That's my extent of Batman. Okay. Is the live action movies. So so in Dark Knight Returns, Batman is in his sixties or something like that. Mm -hmm. maybe older and he hasn't been batman for a really long time and and gotham is kind of in this malaise and he's there's a little bit of of dark knight rises inspiration taken from uh, mm -hmm. from this but um basically bruce wayne returns to being batman older 
a little bit meaner and his first night out there's he, he stops a bunch of things happening um mm -hmm. and one of the things that he does is there's a bad guy who's doing some stuff and he batman reaches through the wall and grabs the guy and there's a mm -hmm. there's actually a lot of nods to the dark knight returns in robocop hmm. and what's funny about that is this movie feels like a movie that would have been imagined exactly the same way as a Frank Miller graphic novel. Mm -hmm. So this movie is so Frank Millery that when they did RoboCop 2, they actually hired Frank Miller to write it. Really? And it's and his movie is not nearly as Frank Millery as the movie he didn't write, which is this one. <laughs> and that I guess leads me to a larger thing that if you liked this movie, do not seek out any more RoboCop. Don't watch any of the okay, sequels. Okay, cuz I mean, I did put the next two on my list to watch uh, I, but I, we know how much of a masochist i am and i will probably end up watching them just to be a completionist, a completionist. of at least this series not i probably would not watch the new one the joel like the remake i don't do you remember iron man 2 very well kind of but not really i remember i the only thing i remember about iron man 2 for sure definitively for sure is the fact that I saw it before the I saw the first Iron Man because mm. a guy oh, that yeah. I really like mm -hmm. took me to see it even though it wasn't a date because he had a girlfriend. It was very weird, very strange. But I remember Mickey Rourke with these weird electric whips yeah. on a dusty racetrack. Well, it's not dusty, but it is strewn with debris. But the reason why I bring it up is because there's a, there's a scene in Iron Man 2 that is directly referential to uh, RoboCop 2 where they show all of the different countries trying to make a, uh, an Iron Man suit, and, mm -hmm. um, and, and including, I think, even America, where they say, uh, okay, now turn, turn to your left, and then the guy turns, and he's like, ah, oh, God, and, you, and then, and then you, you, hear, um, you hear Sam Rockwell just in the back, it's like, oh, God, oh, God, because the guy's robotic suit had um, like spun around and broken his spine. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's, there's a well, sequence. I, thought, I, I did see that there was a couple Iron Man comic book references in this, in the fun facts, but I didn't actually notice them while I was watching it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cause the, the Iron Man films besides, besides that scene, cause, cause there's a scene in RoboCop too, where they show them trying to make other RoboCops and it doesn't work mm -hmm. because the lightning in the bottle that made Murphy work in the suit is is impossible to recapture, but that's directly used in Iron Man two. I think Iron Man three, he even has like a spike that comes out of his when he's fighting with uh, when he's fighting with Guy Pierce, and there's a spike that comes out of his fist, just like the data transfer spike that RoboCop has mm -hmm. in this film. So there's a lot of little, I don't even remember that. Yeah, there's a little nods to RoboCop here and there, but you know, man and huh. machine suit sort of makes sense. Yeah, the only Iron Man thing I remember for sure, I didn't pull those fun facts, but I think when they're in the convenience store robbery, oh yeah, I guess the guy pulls an Iron Man comic off of the newsstand or whatever oh or he walks past a iron man comic on the newsstand oh that's cool that's pro that was probably 100 percent on purpose too and they said something about the 1969 iron man movie or tv show or something but hmm. i don't remember anything about what that was interesting what did you think about the special effects because we talked about the stop motion ed 209 mm -hmm. which i mean i think is pretty great but there's some really really fantastic makeup effects in this yeah the um toxic avenger the melting man at the end oh. i I, I called it the toxic avenger because it just <laughs> reminded me a lot of, of the Toxie. way the toxic avenger looks yeah 
but that was a twist that I didn't expect and I really loved and the reveal of him after all of his clothes start falling yeah. off that was really good yeah and then the effect of when Murphy takes his helmet off mm-hmm. um, to show Lewis and it's just his face stretched uh-huh. around the helmet yeah is really cool as well incredible that that's Rob uh, Rob Botton who's also uh, he also worked on the thing he, he did some mm-hmm. really amazing he was um I think he was a, he was like a student of Rick Baker and then mm-hmm. and then kind of even surpassed what Rick Baker was able to do and then disappeared like he disappeared from Hollywood yeah. nobody knows what happened to him yeah I think his the the reason he got this job was because they really liked his makeup effects on the thing yeah they, they did such a good job because like you were saying it looks like Peter Weller's fa- face is just like grafted and stretched onto a metal frame mm-hmm. and then but I think it's his face but they put something around his face yeah. uh-huh but they, 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 they played with the proportions because there's only, it's, you know, you can only put things on top of a human form. And so they, I don't know how they did it, but they built it up in such a way that it felt like the everything was underneath the skin. And mm-hmm. that there was, uh, they even, uh, I don't know if you if you really looked, but the, the suit is built in such a way that the, the chest is really bulky. And then there's, there's sections that are underneath the jaw that also build it out. So it makes it look like the mm-hmm. neck is extra skinny as if a, a person's neck couldn't be in there. Yeah. And then, and then they, they build out the back of the head to make it to sort of um, the back of the head for the helmet piece to, to make that also look like it's not a, a human head that could possibly be in there connected to the body. Yeah. And uh, I, so I think like the makeup effects still really work. 34 years mm-hmm. later yeah all of the practical effects always work yeah and all the practical effects in this worked real well. even the stop motion still mm-hmm. it, it the first introduction i think was a little shaky but like once i kind of got used to it and realized that it was definitely kind of more of an atat feel mm-hmm. then i i was like okay this is really cool yeah and there's a, the ed209 has a lot of really great personality to it even when uh it's like it's 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 both horrific and funny at the same time. I mean, that's kind of the this movie's whole deal, right? Yeah. When it when it, uh, when it screams, when it when it falls down the stairs and is screaming as it's thrashing around trying mm-hmm. to get up, or or at the end of the movie when he blows it away and the foot like it falls over and the foot just sort of like involuntarily spasms as it's laying there. Yeah. The other thing that I think really sells the RoboCop look is Peter Weller's motions inside the suit. Yeah. Because he moves, like, he, he turns his head and the whole body swivels around. Yeah, I um I had a fun fact. I don't know if I pulled... I, I have a ton of fun facts, but I will probably end up skipping through some of them. Mm-hmm. But there was one, I don't know if I pulled it, but... Did he work with mimes? I, I feel like I remember him working with mimes or something. He was supposed to be, initially, before they actually had him in the suit, he was supposed to be moving kind of snake-like. Mm. So they had to work with the um, choreographer again after he tried the suit on because it was too bulky mm-hmm. to learn how to walk differently within it yeah and he and peter weller the fact that for a big chunk of the movie when we're with him you can only see his really just his mouth and yeah. and and yet so so much is communicated through that in, in the uh just at, at the end of the like this the end of the second act when the the visor is cracked and you can see his eye through the visor yeah and it's such a powerful moment it's kind of one of those things it's kind of like this movie plays with revealing robocop when we when he's first revealed it's 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 always you know side of the frame as the camera moves by he's blocked by people and things it's almost like the reveal of a of a monster in a movie yeah they specifically did that i think they were I don't remember. I remember the fact. I don't think I actually pulled it, which I'm really sad that I didn't because it was a good fact that 
they were just going to have him turn a corner and bam, there he was. Yeah. But they, instead, to build up the suspense kind of Jaws-esque, mm -hmm, I guess, mm -hmm. that you only see him through barely behind Frosted window panes or like and... the scrims and stuff. Yeah. But if you watch really closely when you're in the POV of him mm -hmm. and he's walking through that crowd, if you look on the left of the screen, there's a little TV yeah. and you can see, uh -huh. you fully see him. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was, that was probably one of my favorite little bits. Yeah. Um, the... the First, the whole POV as he's going in and out mm -hmm. of consciousness mm -hmm. on the crash cart. Mm -hmm. And then once he fully kind of shuts down and you shift the perspective fully into him being RoboCop. Yeah. And everything is from that perspective. I thought that was really cool and a really great way of introducing him. Yeah. And then they, they kind of did the same thing with with his uh, the his life flashing before his eyes as he's dying. We're getting all these flashbacks yeah. of his family, but we're not getting the whole thing. We're just getting little snippets. Yeah. And then we see it again when he goes to their house and like the full conversation between him and his son, the full conversation between him and his wife, uh, I think is, is, is great. Because like she comes up and she says, you know, I really have to talk. I really have to tell you something. And you think she's angry. And then yeah. when he's when he's there remembering everything, it's she's saying that she loves him. You know, so like the movie yeah. is continually sort of giving us something and then building upon it later. Yeah, which another fun fact on that. I had thought that because, you know, we are always led to believe if there is a male and a female dynamic in any kind of buddy cop movie, oh. there's going to be some kind of relationship between the two of them. Mm -hmm. and it's going to be sort of rom com -y in a way. Yeah. And I thought that that was what was going to happen between him and Lewis. Mm -hmm. And there initially had been a sex scene written for them, mm -hmm. which I think would be totally off base, especially yeah. before he became Robocop because right. he was still very much in love with his wife. Yeah. You see that, especially once he's doing the flashback walking mm -hmm. through the house. But because they have all of these flashback scenes of his wife seeming like she's mad at him, you would think that it would have been something that they would have kept in. Right. I'm, I'm glad that they didn't, though. I'm glad that yeah, Lewis is just... I feel just... like it would have been a little gaudy, a little over the top, and not, it wouldn't necessarily fit because it seems like he likes his partner, especially the way she's first introduced to him, the way he looks at her yeah. when she's fighting those bad guys. Mm -hmm. I say bad guys, but the guys that they have in the police station. Yeah, her, her and he, like, arrestee. Yeah, yeah. He sounds like he's got a thing for her. But instead, it's just he admires her as a, as a police officer. As a colleague. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it would have just been so weird and kind of gross. And I don't know. It just wouldn't have worked, I think, to me if they had had a sex scene between the two of them. I agree. And or like, any kind of relationship outside of a friendly working relationship. Right. And also, the movie doesn't have time for that either. You know? Yeah. It's, it's already like, like two and a half hour, two two fifteen or something. Is it really? Yeah. I think it was... It was over two hours long. Wow, it is one hundred and two minutes, so it's less than it's less than I thought. Hour and forty two, yeah, because it feels it feels like a pretty tight movie. But yeah, just it, it a sex scene between them wouldn't belong in there, and I don't know where it would be put. Yeah, and I, I like that they just respect each other, you know. Yeah, because I mean, literally, they meet, they go on the call, yeah. he dies. Yeah, that's literally where would they have done it as soon as they get in the car? Exactly. Like, that's I, I don't I don't care. Nobody has that much game. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so those reveals. The, the movie sort of lives on these great reveals and then and so when we get after after being so sort of disconnected with him by only having just his mouth and then mm -hmm. we finally see the his eye through the 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 broken visor it's kind of this uh it's this turning point for the character and sort of i guess 
gaining all of his humanity back and in, in terms of like how we can see him because now we can see yeah. the, the man underneath the mask finally and you see the mm -hmm. terror i dearly love this movie um and yeah. kurtwood smith is fantastic He's, he's so, so great, but he's there's so funny. I'm just like there's every... one thing. It's just a lot of the time when he's yelling, all I could think of is Red Foreman yelling at Eric, <laughs> and that's all I could see. So I never really watched. I never watched that '70s show, so I have like I'm aware of his mm -hmm. involvement in it, but I don't. I that's like this is yeah. the movie that I know him from, and I know yeah, him that's, from other things too. But this that '70s show is one of the shows that my sisters and I would watch because it was on right before my parents got home from work. Yeah. So we would turn on CW, watch I think Reba, and then that '70s show an hour each, so two episodes each. Yeah. And then my parents got home, and we'd be watching Friends, or we'd switch it to like PBS or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I love that '70s show. I watch it. Yeah. I used to watch it all the time. So I know Kurtwood Smith as Red Foreman. Sure, sure. You got to admit, he's having a lot of fun in this role that just... Uh, yeah. And there's, he's got so many quotable lines. The whole, can you fly, Bobby? And then, <laughs> and then yeah. they check him out of the back of the truck. Or indeed, my, my favorite quote in the whole movie when he walks in and he goes, bitches leave. <laughs> and then the, yeah. the prostitutes gather their things and run out the door. One thing I did kind of want to talk about is this is about a robot that has PTSD. A cyborg. It's about a robot fighting, uh, cyborg fighting or f learning how to deal with PTSD. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Which is something you don't see very often. No, and, and the thing is, it's, it's the important thing is, is he's, he's, he has PTSD and he is reclaiming his humanity. It was taken away from him. You know, they, mm -hmm. they, they, they cut off all of his limbs because they say full body prosthesis. There's that bit when he's when he's in and out of consciousness and they say we we were able to save the arm and then the and then uh miguel ferrer says no lose the arm yeah we agreed on total body procedures so like they take almost everything away from him and yeah and then they and then and then they say does he is he gonna remember any of this and they say no we're gonna blank his mind and they try to take everything away from him and he mm -hmm. still comes back and he still comes back yeah and it's Murphy. really interesting where they're we're gonna wipe everything we're gonna take everything from his mind but he still does the gunslinger thing uh -huh. that he was practicing when him and Lewis first meet. Yep. And he has that tagline where the one crony realizes that it's him. Yeah. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Yeah. yeah. Which I thought was funny how in the fun facts they pointed out that that was the big line. Kind of the way Arnold's I'll be back uh -huh. is. Mm -hmm. All of the really big lines are only said once or twice in their respective movies mm -hmm. but it's just because it's such an iconic delivery like yeah. i think we said the same thing with um with dirty harry is th that line is only said twice but it is that is the line that clint eastwood is known for yeah and and same with uh john mcclain's tagline and die hard yippee motherfucker is is not mm -hmm. i mean it was just it's a it's a point of dialogue between two characters it's not meant to be a catchphrase it becomes one later in, in the subsequent yeah. films, but it was just, I don't want to say a throwaway line, but it was sort of a throwaway line in the original. Yeah. Film. And now it's on like every Christmas sweater. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it is funny though. Cause I, whenever I think about this film, it's dead or alive. You're coming with me. Thank you for your cooperation. And I mean, I guess those are the two, those are the two big ones. Um, I do love, I do love that the movie ends on, I mean the, the action scenes end on, They'll fix you. They fix everything. Yeah. Which is... Which I guess there was a scene that was shot to um, show Lewis doesn't become a Bride of Frankenstein kind of thing, mm. like a Bride of Robocop. But I think they did shoot it, but they didn't add it. It was like a mid credit scene or something, maybe. Oh. 
Yeah, I guess they had filmed this scene where she becomes a RoboCop or something oh. like that. See, I'm I I I, uh, I always took that to. I'm glad that they did that did not make it into the final cut of the movie because I just I just like the implications of that scene. Not that she would become a RoboCop also, but just that mm-hmm. um, it's almost it's it's sarcastic. You know, he's not fixed. He's yeah. Lo- you know, look at him. He's he's not fixed. It's just a darkly funny comment <laughs> you know yeah because they're like no we don't we they they do fix everything but look at what they did we don't trust them to fix anything and yeah so I, I i like that and then of course at the end when he's when 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 he saves uh what's his face at ocp and he says what's your name son and he says and he smiles for i think maybe the first time and he says mm-hmm. murphy and then boom movie ends like the, the movie just ends yeah it doesn't it doesn't drag on for another 10 minutes it doesn't give us closure on everything there's no robocop visiting lewis at the at, in the hospital or anything the movie ends on he's murphy again yeah and then and that's perfect yeah totally so i have some fun facts and some recastings and there's a lot of them okay. so i'll try to get through them pretty quickly okay most shots of robocop in the police car show him getting out or preparing to get in Peter Weller didn't fit into the police car in full costume, so when he needed to be in the car, he just wore the top of the costume and sat in his underwear. <laughs> to maintain the illusion that RoboCop wears the entire suit while inside a car, most shots show his robotic feet exiting first. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one I thought was really funny. In Sacramento, a robbery suspect fled into a darkened movie theater to escape pursuing police. He became so engrossed in the movie, which was playing, that he failed to notice that the police had evacuated all other patrons from the theater. When the lights flipped on, the stunned man was taken into custody. Oh, uh, he didn't even get to finish the movie? Maybe. No, maybe it was like the lights came up after the movie was oh, over. Oh, okay. That's what I'm assuming. That's what I would hope. Sucks for all the patrons that didn't get to finish the movie, though. Yeah. Yeah, they probably got comp tickets or something. This is a really good one, too. Realizing that the film was running behind schedule and over budget, Paul Verhoeven and producer John Davison purposely did not film one crucial scene, Uh Officer Murphy's death. When production wrapped, they went back to L.A. and grimly informed the execs that Murphy's death had not been filmed. After watching the footage they did film, the execs were so astonished by the aesthetics and performance that they gave the filmmakers money more money and film the scene in a redecorated warehouse. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that. Which is great. Yeah. It's classic uh, manipulation. Yeah. This is another really great, really great. I pulled some really great fun facts. In the hostage scene, as Robocop is walking towards the room where the former councilman is holding the mayor hostage, the infrared heat vision mode was actually executed using fluorescent body paint on nude actors and a black light. Mm-hmm. Paul Verhoeven said that he thought the technique would be cheaper than getting actual infrared spectrometer camera. And there was certainly no CG backup either, you know? It was, yeah. It's much easier just to do that. Watching that scene, I was watching it on my big TV mm-hmm. in, I think it was like HD or whatever, and you don't even tell. It looks like you're watching an IR. Yeah. Kurtwood Smith's wife, Joan Prickle, was a, had a small role as Dick Jones' secretary, Barbara, who he flirts with before a meeting. Ah, so that's great. So that scene where Kurt, Kurtwood Smith is like... Uh, He's gross to that woman. To, yeah, and he like has the... I think he was like has a toothpick or something gum. in. Yeah, he, like, he takes the gum yeah. and he sticks it on her uh, nameplate. After realizing or seeing that it was his wife, it made it even funnier. Just yeah. the, her reaction. Yeah, that's great. While set in Detroit, 22 locations in and around Dallas were used for filming... The only actual showing off of Motor City itself is in the opening, and that was stock footage. Mm-hmm. He's like Dirty Harry with ball bearings was one of the early tagline lines considered, but ultimately dropped fearing litigation from either WB or Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. So before I say this one, when would you say that this, if without knowing anything, when would you say that this movie is set? What year? That's a good question. They it, it it's it's the kind of future 
that isn't um you know it's not so far in the future like star trek where everything is yeah you know high science it, it it's uh it's like an approachable future i'm gonna guess like this is a 1987 future right a future it's, from 1987 right um i mean honestly I, I would say anywhere from 2015 to 2020 okay so a rare extended television spot as well as a 1988 commercial for the film's home video release established that the film is set in 1991. Oh, they were only a few yeah. years off? No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 1991. Damn. Uh, Murphy was initially called Robert in the original script, so instead of Alex, Murphy was Robert Murphy. Hmm. Producers felt that people would call him Robert Cop, so it was changed at last minute, and in parentheses I wrote, as a personal aside yes joe definitely would have called him robert cop well not only robert cop but there's uh i i, I want to say there's a uh i have to i have to double check this um i think there is um so yeah robert cop is the uh the name of a really really bad bootleg robocop toy which I don't know. You can see. Oh like, my god! Let me that's great. The, let me turn down the brightness. That's what it looks like, and it says Robert Cop right at the top. I feel like that's something that Nick has sent to us. Oh yeah, in our group chats. Nick and I have made had a lot of fun, uh, and and then and I don't know if you saw, but it does say under Robert Cop, it says I'll be back. Oh my god, <laughs> that is perfect. That is glorious. Yeah. Uh, so that was, no, changing his name to Alex Murphy was the right decision. The next one I have is seven actors in this film have also appeared in Star Trek. Well, Kurtwood Smith, uh, Ronnie Cox, um, mm -hmm. uh, Peter, Peter Weller himself. Um, yes. And let's see, you said six. Let me think. Who are the other ones? Seven. Oh, oh, I said uh, seven. Oh, seven. So you said Kurtwood Smith, uh, Ronnie Cox, Peter Weller. Yeah. Um, also Ray Wise, I think. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. Let me think. Let me think. Uh, you got two more. Two more. I'm doing pretty well. You are. Um, there's a lot of Star Trek. You said his to... name multiple times already. I did. He is a bad guy. Oh, Miguel Ferrer. Mm-hmm. Um, One more. I'm trying to remember what. No, wait. Hold on. It said seven. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. It says seven, but there's six listed. So you only have one more. Damn. Okay. Um... Who else? I don't. I, I don't know who. The Robert Decoy. Uh, who was he? Uh, I do not know, but he was in Dar Star Trek: Deep Space Nine: Things Past episode season five episode eight. Hmm. And it's D O Q U I is as how you spell his last name. D O Q U I. Um. Oh, he was Reed in the movie, and huh. I I I love DS Nine, but I don't know it as well as. As other track. Interesting. But all right. Well, I, I did. I almost got it. I almost got them all. You almost got it. That's a 90% a or something. Yeah. So the trauma team portrayed in the movie was a real hospital trauma team. And their, their dialogue was mostly ad-libbed, mm. which I thought was really good. You can definitely tell that they know what they're talking about. Yep. I feel like that, that kind of dialogue could not have been written. Well, and how matter of fact it is. Oh, yeah. My, my mom was an ICU. Uh, she's, she was an RN and an ICU nurse. And... Um, you know, she would, she would always, uh, like, criticize how um, medical procedures were depicted on mm -hmm. anything anything related to hospital stays. Even just, you know, sitting there recuperating, she, she'd always say, like, well, the, the guardrails aren't up. You know, the bed rails aren't up. They, 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 mm -hmm. they, they usually are. Things like that. And so there's, so it actually, it feels, uh, it feels really authentic 
Mm -hmm. in a really smart way so that's cool uh these last two are just so stupid that they made me laugh i don't know why they're even there but this is the first film in the robocop franchise to be rated r the second film to be rated r is robocop 2 (laughs) and then three out of 19 people found this interesting wow well okay okay (laughs) yeah and then the other one is Daryl Cox, technician number two, and Ronnie Cox, Dick Jones, have the same last name, Cox. Yep. Zero of seven people found this interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I read this and I was like, what the fuck? Why? Why? Um, I mean, it, it would be slightly more interesting if they said Ronnie Cox's character's name is Dick Jones. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, that's more interesting. But it's also like, yeah. I can see that that they have the same last name. Yeah. They could have said they have the same last name, but they are not related. Like that would have been even more interesting. I suppose it's not. It's not much. <laughs> it's really not much, is it? <laughs> yeah, it's just somebody who wanted to put a fact on there. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have funny. some recastings. Mm-hmm. The director, the screenplay had been offered to, rejected by virtually every big director in Hollywood before Paul Verhoeven got a hold of it. He threw it away after reading the first pages but convinced it was a dumb action movie, but his wife read it all the way through and convinced him that the story was layered with many satirical and allegorical elements, leading him to direct the film. Mm. Uh, Cronenberg was uh, initially offered the position and turned it down. Alex Cox turned down the directorial duties to make Straight to Hell Returns. Jonathan Kaplan was originally set to direct, but opted to do Project X instead. Kenneth Johnson was offered to direct this film, but declined due to not being allowed to change aspects of the script he deemed to be mean-spirited, ugly, and Mm, mm ultra-violent. Dick Jones. Steve Burkhoff was considered for the role. For Lewis, Stephanie Zimbalist was originally cast as Lewis, but had to give up the role because she was called back to film more episodes of Remington Steel. Mm. Nancy Allen was then cast, and Paul Verhoeven had her cut her hair shorter and shorter several times until it was shorter enough as he wanted her... He wanted to desexualize the character. Mm -hmm. And then I have a laundry list of people you would probably assume would be picks for robocop is mel gibson in there i feel like mel gibson is in there 1987 uh let's see i don't remember what i put down (laughs) after peter weller complained about the costume during the first few days of filming the role was offered to lance henriksen who turned it down because of time 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 conflicts he was also considered for the title role of Terminator. Mm-hmm. And then he wound, he he winds up in uh, Aliens. He's in James Cameron's yes, Aliens. Yes, that was, yeah, and, and finally got to play a robot in Aliens. This is also trivia for a Terminator. <laughs> for a while, Michael Ironside was attached to the role, but they had to, but had to give up when they realized the actor would have to have much smaller frame to fit into the costume envisioned. Yeah, Ironside's a big dude. Yeah, uh, before Peter Weller was cast, Rutger Hauer was another actor in line to play RoboCop. Hmm. However, it was decided he was too large to fit into the costume. And who also already played a robot, because he was in uh, Blade Runner. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <gasps> Ooh, he would have been good, though, in this. What's funny is... Ah, uh, no, well, I don't know. What's funny is all of the, the Terminator connections, because there's, a I think, a comic book graphic novel where it's uh, Terminator versus RoboCop. Well, there was another fun fact I did not pull, but there had there were talks and attempts to bring a Terminator versus RoboCop film. Oh, I'm glad to that didn't life. happen. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it would have been weird. Uh, Peter Weller turned down a role in King Kong Lives to star in this. Um, Tom Berenger was in talks to direct Ver- 
with, oh, it was in talks with director Verhoeven about playing the lead role. Stallone was considered, and so was Amand Asante. Amand Asante, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then here is the big one that we all probably guessed. Schwarzenegger was originally considered to portray Alex Murphy. However, he was too bulky for the suit. When the film was released, Schwarzenegger said that he loved the film and wanted to work with Paul Verhoeven. So when Total Recall was announced to be in development, Schwarzenegger and Verhoeven picked that film to work on together, and I'm glad that they did because Total Recall is probably my favorite Schwarzenegger film because it's when he is at his most comedic best when trying to be serious. Get your ass to Mars. God, the scene where he is in the, the airlock as a woman and just <laughs> blows up is so good. It's so funny. It's so good. That's a great film. That's a I, that's a film I haven't watched in a while. And I, I need to rewatch. I, yeah, I it's I think it was one of the first films I watched for one thousand and one. Mm -hmm. Ah, Chef's Kiss, such a good film. So before, but I know we're we're basically at the end. Um, but I I do I would feel remiss if I didn't also bring up um, the late great Basil Pordoris's wonderful score for this film. Mm -hmm. um, it's like mournful and dark and for an action movie, it's kind of a, it's kind of, it's, I don't want to say it's slow, but it's really graceful. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, it's one of my favorite themes of all times, the Robo, uh, uh, the RoboCop theme. And I, a little bit of it, I think exists in the Mandalorian theme. Uh, it's, oh. it's very, it's, mm -hmm. it's uh, if you, if you put Bill Conti's Rocky score and you remix it with Basil Pildoris's, uh score for RoboCop, I think you get uh, the, the really cool kick-ass uh, Mandalorian theme. I could see that. Okay, well, Joe, I know what you're going to say, but does it hold up? Uh, it, this movie gets better every single time I see it. Mm -hmm. How about you? Yeah, it's, it's so much fun. It's so good. Mm -hmm. It's so scary how real it feels. It's a very sharp now. movie. And it and yeah, it mm -hmm. is scary. I the, every time I see something that is perplexing and and callous and only existing for base consumerism, I just think we're that much closer to RoboCop. Yeah, I mean, we do have basically we have robot dogs right now, and pretty soon we'll have robot people. Yeah, I will say RoboCop two and three available. I'm pretty sure from Shout Factory are terrible. They are. Yeah, um, I know. I know Shout Factory did. I think I think when I was working there, we did two and three. Um, certainly did three, but it's terrible. Uh, Robocop. Oh yeah, a, look at that. Yeah, Robocop. I on just a looked it up on Amazon. Three. That is our classic collector's edition cover. Yeah. So so those are terrible. There was also a Canadian produced. Well, it was in Canada anyway. Robocop TV series that I watched. It's also not good. There were some direct-to-video feature RoboCop films that are also not good. I think at one point RoboCop fights vampires or something. Um, and then there's the Joel Kinnaman remake, big uh, 20, 2014. 14. Yeah, uh, also terrible. So really, this one movie, if there's if there's a problem with this movie, is that it made so much bad RoboCop content come after it. That's what happens, I feel like, with a lot of good movies and studios try to cash in on that, and it's just terrible stuff comes mm -hmm. out. Yep, but yeah, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Me too. But listener, let us know. Did you enjoy it? Are you one of the very few strange people that didn't like it let us know let us know on twitter or instagram at nostalgitis n-o-s-t-a-l-g-i-t-i-s or nostalgiafectpod at gmail.com oh and uh 
while I'm warning you about bad RoboCop films, if you want something that feels spiritually like this one, Amy or listener, Carl Urban's Dread, Judge Dread film, is it feels like mm. a spiritual successor. Uh, great film, ultra violent, really wonderful. Also happens in a hellscape that I think we are destined to live in. It's great. Well, I can't say no to Carl Urban. No, no, you can't. He's so polite. <laughs> He is so great. He's <laughs> such a gentleman. Listener, don't forget to be kind. Rewind. Thank you for your cooperation. 